The views and opinions expressed by guests on this program are not necessarily the views of Thinking Bigger Business Media, Inc. or its employees. Welcome to Smart Companies Thinking Bigger Radio. Get the inside scoop on how America's most successful business owners transform their entrepreneurial vision into reality. And listen in as some of the top business minds in the country serve up practical advice, tips, and insights for growing your business. Now here's your host, Kelly Scanlon. Good morning. Welcome to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. And today, our guest is the bean baron, Danny O'Neill. He is the founder of The Roastery. And Danny, you really don't need any long-winded explanation from me. Uh, And I'm going to have you tell your story anyway, so let's just get right to it. First of all, 20 years. Yeah. Last last fall, 20 years. November, I believe. November 4th. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like, you know, 40 years. Sometimes it feels like two years. Exactly. Oh, I know what you mean. It just depends, right? It does depend. But congratulations. Not a lot of companies make it for that long. Oh, thank you. I know you've been through. uh, One of the reasons I love your story is because it's just the quintessential entrepreneurial story. It epitomizes so many different parts of entrepreneurship, not just the passion, but you know, some of the the goofy mistakes that you right. made, like the roaster, uh, trying to get it into your Brookside basement. So so take us back. To, when, when did the story really start? Yeah, the, uh, and we did a, a fun panel yesterday at the Kauffman Foundation, mm-hmm. and, we, and several other entrepreneurs are kind of going through each stories and all the foibles and the mistakes, and true entrepreneurs really have no problem. I mean, we'd probably rather talk about some of the really ridiculous, stupid right. mistakes that we've made, right? Um, but probably back, you know, as you get older, there's tipping points or turning points, and you don't mm-hmm. necessarily, you're not conscious of them all the time going through them. But the uh, one key one was obviously when I was a foreign exchange student to Costa Rica in my uh, senior year in high school. Right. And um, so that was really pivotal, transformative, and transformational and all those things. And then later going uh, coffee picking with my friends in Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. Um was again at the time I had no idea didn't drink coffee um just was up in the mountains and it felt like same thing working with farmers felt just like Iowa right I loved right. it fit right in and then coming back uh started at um Iowa State as soon as I got back uh undergrad and so that's when I started drinking coffee mm-hmm. so those all were kind of foundational looking back although they're you know disparate moments in time at uh but they all threaded together to be to set the foundation for me falling in love with coffee, right? Mm-hmm. So then um, I just got more and more and more into it. And um, this was, you know, 78, 79, 80, started drinking whole bean coffee. They call it gourmet coffee back then right. in the early 80s. I remember that. And then I was so into it in the late 80s. I started going to Seattle a lot in 1987 and 88. And, um, but, Today, people would think, oh, that's so cool. Throw into this. Well, back then it was weird. Nobody thought it was cool. I was. Mm-hmm. I've never been accused it's of like being cool. It's like you're messing period. around. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were just like it was just weird. Get alive. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then uh, when I went to Russia a couple times in the early '90s, um, that was transformative. I I felt like I I could feel like I even felt this watching the Olympics. The mm-hmm. the Russian spirit. I thought mm-hmm. I connected so well with them. And I felt, wow, I used to be like that, and the corporate world was beating it out of me. 
So I came back the first time. That was in 92. I went, I think, um, just hell-bent on doing something different. I was doing the Rockhurst uh, Executive Fellows at the time, and I wasn't sure what to do, or, but I just felt compelled to do something different. And either, you know, by hook and crook, coffee was the only idea that I had. And that you were passionate about. Yeah, and thankfully yeah. I had one. <laughs> but then it, everybody, at the time, again, 92, there was no coffee mm-hmm. culture, you know, to speak of. And people would look at me and think I was weird and think, God, what are you going to do? You're too high energy. Doing a coffee shop, you'll go crazy. <laughs> so then I was kind of halfway depressed because it was the only idea that I had. And everybody <laughs> was beating it, beating it up. But I just thought, you know what? Uh, I was, I'm a, you know, I know, as you are, a voracious reader, and I had read Odyssey by John Scully, mm-hmm. who had been, you know, wooed over from Pepsi to gum run Apple, and he took a year's leave of absence, and I thought, that's cool. Though This is 92 now, right? Sure. So I called up my boss in, in Seattle, and I said, hey, I, uh, I want to, you know, I want to, I want to, I want to leave. I want to, I want to take a leave of absence, and he said, uh, well, you, you can't just leave. I said, well, there's something in the handbook. And I can't say what he said, but he said, you're <laughs> S-H-I, you know what, me. I said, no, it's in the handbook. Uh-huh. And we had a handbook the size of a Kinsey phone book in the old right. days, you know. And um, So anyway, today you just leave and it would be great. You know, you're a corporate dropout, but in 92, 93, you didn't leave a great job in the middle of a recession. So that's kind of how it started. And I just went everywhere I could to talk about coffee, research it, look at best methods, best practices, Drove all over, flew all over the country, went back down to Costa Rica a couple mm-hmm. more times. This is kind of pre-internet, so it was uh, yeah. research was hands-on, hands-on. Travel. Right? You just, mm-hmm. I remember going to Borders. Remember there was a Borders on 91st. Oh yeah, I love that place. Me too. <laughs> and I went in, I bought everything on coffee that I could, and there was one VHS tape and two books. Oh my! And that was it. <laughs> and I bought. I cleaned you out went the through store. that in a couple hours. Yeah, yeah, but that was it. You know, now you can imagine if you type in coffee or something, mm-hmm. you would, you could literally spend the rest of your life and not go through easily a, a bit of it. Right. But in '92, I was two books and a VHS Good tape. Creep. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's how it, that's how it's kind of the genesis. Yeah. Of the, so, so you decided I am I am moving forward with this, and in true entrepreneurial fashion, you set up shop in your Brookside basements yeah. and you were going that wasn't my plan though right so i'm scared to death i mean scared to oh, death as you time. should have been oh, yes just scared and if i could have i would have i would have i would have gone back to corporate in a heartbeat if i wouldn't mm-hmm. have had a if i wouldn't have had to admit failure right or had anybody say i told you so I'd rather be head well, powerful upside head. incentive seriously oh, yeah. yeah fear right i mean I, i'm always real I, I fear failure and I fear needles. Otherwise, I'm, <laughs> I'm not fearless, but most things I, I, I embrace, mm-hmm. you know, uh, adventure and risk. But um, anyway, scared to death. So uh, it was Dick Benner, one of my uh, early mentors from the uh, SBA SCORE program, mm-hmm. who really said just, you know, swallow your pride, uh, start in your basement. I, I was not about pride. and I had this big, grandiose idea. And I think looking back, it was pride in a different kind of way. I, w- I wanted to make a statement, mm-hmm. and what you know, what the hell kind of statement I'm going to make? Living like a mole in my basement, right? Right. But thank God I listened to him. Thank God I did it. And you know, I had seventeen thousand bucks saved up, and I bought the roaster, and that was twelve grand. Yeah. And I did my logo, and that's twenty five hundred. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm driving a 77 Chevy Impella with 140,000 miles on it and parking two or three blocks from whoever I'm talking to so they don't see when I'm driving. Right. So I didn't really have a lot of choices other than live in my basement. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then, if I remember the story right, okay, you bought the roaster, you didn't measure, so you had to cut the thing in half oh, and then re-weld it or yeah. some such thing. Cut, it, yeah. took a, it took another two weeks to find somebody that could cut it in half and reassemble it and put it in the basement, you know. But that I can't even tell you how many times I still do stuff like that. Stupid. Today, you know, like yesterday, we're in, entrepreneur, we're in the Kauffman Foundation, so they say, oh, very entrepreneurial. If I'm back with my hometown in Iowa, they'd say, no, sounds stupid to me. <laughs> but, you yeah. know, it's a borderline. If it works out, you're entrepreneurial. If it doesn't, you're stupid. Right, you know? but you had $17,000, and your $12,000 investment just, you just found out you can't Managed. get it into your yeah. basement. Yeah, exactly. And then another story that I love that I've heard you tell is, the the health department came in and found that you were roasting in your basement and said you had to do this and this and this and it was going to be umpteen thousand dollars exactly yeah. and you figured so, out a way around that yeah you know and I think at the heart of it that's where and I mentioned this yesterday at the Kaufman Foundation there's this you know perennial argument can are entrepreneurs born can it be taught right and I do not think you can teach it. I think there's a, like Neil at Cerner would say, we're mutants, right? Mm -hmm. We are totally flipping wired differently. There's no doubt about that. But I think the main difference is where when all the facts are on the table, there's, which is often the case, there's only one logical, rational, and, and smart way to forward, and that is to do this. And sometimes it's to fold. But mm -hmm. an entrepreneur will never see it that way. You just like Gail at Harley, at Gail's Harley would say, which is too stupid to know when to quit. But quitting is never an option. For me, it's the same bucket as being a parent. That you know, of course, it's hard. Gosh knows, there's no book written. You just got to do it. You figure it out. But not parenting the best you can is never mm -hmm. ever an option. It doesn't cross your mind. In same way with quitting as an entrepreneur. But if you're a small business or if you've just maybe you're a hobbyist, you think, well, hell, I, I got into this because I love XXX and all I'm doing is, well, I figured it up last week and I I made a dollar eighty an hour. And that's, for me, that's a small business person talking. No right. offense, mm -hmm. but nothing to do with an entrepreneur. Right. You just don't quit. You just flip and don't quit. You just do whatever it takes. And so um, when I heard... Um, what I needed to do to transform the basement, I was like, oh, my God, I don't have, you know, I'm 30,000 short of having 30,000. And so I go to Sutherland's and I look mm -hmm. at the corrugated sheet metal and I think, oh, I can just five bucks a sheet. I can do the whole basement at a hundred bucks. And then he comes back. He says, well, you need five sinks. I had one. Mm -hmm. So I go back to Sutherland's. I'm looking around. And I see these twin compartment uh, sinks. I put one on the floor and then I put another one on the floor and I back them up side by side. And I think, well, there's my four sink. Right. And I got one faucet, and I stretched it around and hit all four, and I'm like, <laughs> there we go. So a buddy of mine put a a border or a, a frame together and set them in there, and the, mm -hmm. the inspector comes back again from the state of Missouri. He looks at it, and he goes, uh, <laughs> He had all the paperwork oh, to shut you down. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was this, uh, there I needed lights. Everything cleanable, washable, so I got these horrid, nasty blue tarps that you see in certain parts of the country, I'll mm -hmm. say. Well, I got those blue tarts, and I stapled them up to the ceiling. And he comes back, and he looks at these blue 
cheap, nasty fluorescent lights I have hanging underneath of it. He said, well, if those break, the glass could go in the coffee. Really need to have them protected. So I took a razor blade. I sliced those blue tarps, put the put the fluorescent lights up above them, and it gave this nasty, unnatural <laughs> blue hue to right. everything, right? Right. And uh, but anyway, I ended up doing the whole basement for less than three hundred bucks instead yeah. of thirty. Instead of thirty thousand, I love that And it that was story. a way forward. That's more right. important than anything yes. else, right? Right. So anybody else? So I not anybody else. A non-entrepreneur, non-passionate. It's it's not. And I, I just mean that. I guess I, I'm, I'm. It's chick now, or it seems to be popular to be an entrepreneur. So everybody want a lot of people want to be one, and then people get nudged and pushed to be one. And I, I have no more. You know, you should. I don't feel you should nudge anybody more towards being a rocket to, to being an entrepreneur than a rocket scientist. Oh, know? I agree, and it's I'm glad you brought that up. Crazy. It is, and when you talk to, say, some of the fast-track counselors and, and score counselors, when they find somebody that decides not to pursue a, a business idea, it's they consider win. that a success. Totally, me yeah. too. Before yeah. they drain their money, right. their neighbor's money, their parents' money, their family's money, thank God. Yeah. That is, I, I totally feel the same way. And uh, I had love, I was went through Fast Track, you know, and I served uh, on there for 10 years or so and just loved it. And I would always say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this protective cocoon that you can go through. You don't have to tell the world you're doing something. You can study it. You can, if you get to the end, you think, okay, this was not a good idea. Thank God I didn't do it. The world doesn't have to know you failed. Right. You don't have to, you know, you didn't lose your house and all that. Um because it's, uh, I just heard a story yesterday. Somebody went through it, and they found out, oh my God, this is not for them. And um, the other notion is, well, I, you know, I have a, I have a mortgage. Well, I, I, I have a family. Well, I have, well, mm-hmm. giddy up. So does yeah. everybody else, right? right and right. Uh, so, but if you are so inclined, you know, to be an entrepreneur, then great. I totally encourage it. But just like you know, when what. Dwight Eisenhower said, you know, then have a plan, mm-hmm. have a plan, you know, go through a plan, make a plan and um, and do your homework because, um, you know, that you're we're just if you're an entrepreneur, or if you're an entrepreneurial venture, um, you know, the the marketplace has no grace. They no, don't care. no, they, there is no grace. That, right? That's very well put. Yeah. And, and speaking of mortgages, though, uh, a very well-known entrepreneur who successfully sold her businesses, uh, Deb Turpin, used to always say, you're not an entrepreneur unless you're willing, when push comes to shove, to mortgage your house. Absolutely. So, so, I totally agree with that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Danny, hold that thought. We're going to take a break. When we get back, I want to talk to Danny. Uh, fast forward a little bit about what he's doing now. You're listening to Thinking Bigger Business on Smart Companies Radio. We'll be back. You want real results. You want your efforts to count for something. And you don't have time to waste. We understand. That's why the Executive MBA program at Benedictine College is the program more than 400 alums say help them accelerate their careers and enhance their approach to management and leadership. You're ready immediately to contribute to your organization's success. We invite you to check out benedictine.edu slash EMBA to learn more about our program and what it has to offer. Hey folks, this is Bill Brelsford from the Sales and Marketing Answerman. If you're looking to take your marketing to the next level, but you're not quite sure where to start, let me encourage you to sign up for a signature brand audit. Together, we'll take a look at what you're doing now, where you want to go, 
and we'll create a plan for getting you there. This $250 value is yours free as my way of saying thank you for listening to our show. To sign up, give me a call at 913-962-9261 or visit my website at www.rebarbusinessbuilders.com. Hi, I'm Jason Lofton, CEO, President of QTI Incorporated. Every Friday, we discuss ways for small business owners to prosper and excel in their industry. So join us every Friday, 10 a.m. Central Time, right here on the Small Business Thinking Bigger Radio Network. Good morning. Welcome back to Smart Companies Radio. I'm Kelly Scanlon, publisher of Thinking Bigger Business Media. We're visiting here with the Bean Baron, Danny O'Neill, the founder of The Roastery. And he's been taking us back to the inception of The Roastery and and some of the the crazy entrepreneurial mistakes that we all make and, and having some fun with that. But, Danny, obviously, you've got through all that. There's probably still things that you do that, you know, maybe we don't find out about as much now because <laughs> we all continue to make mistakes. But you're an icon here in the city and, and you know, throughout the region, really, and even nationally. When did you realize that you had influence? I like to ask entrepreneurs that. Yeah, you know, um, well, great question. And then, um, and you know me well, I honestly don't, I don't want to be an icon. You know, I, we are, and I, I, and I, I'm sure you just kind of like meant the brand, the company is, and then I'm real comfortable with that because I just love our team and we have such right. a great team. I was late for another appointment this morning because I was sitting in Brookside and I was just, I watched the team and I get the same feelings I do with my uh, with my kids, I think. But for the grace of God, I had anything to do with this. Mm-hmm. And they're just working magic and everybody's mm-hmm. loving them. And, oh, I could just, if I could be anonymous and be a fly on the wall, I would be there, both cafes, I guess with the factory too. I just love it, love it. Um, but um, I, there's one telling one one moment that comes back. Um, the, there was a uh, there was a um, Sunday in May of 1994, and um, normally Norman and I we were working like you know from seven in the morning till two, three, four in the morning, and then on Saturdays I'd be doing um, demos in the grocery stores. And then on Sundays, we usually do runs and walks, and we mm-hmm. quickly got on that infamous Kansas City list where you can give some, call this company because they'll yes. give you something. Yes. And we got on that list real fast. And But anyway, this particular Sunday, it was raining, and Normie and I were in the sunroom where we stored all the green coffee on pellets in, in the Brookside house, right? And so we were sitting there, and I put down the paper, and Normie was reading his paper. I said, Normie, and he looked at me, I said, just think, like, right now we're sitting here reading the paper, drinking coffee, and there might be people, like, buying their coffee off a shelf right now. And he looked at me, and we were both like, oh, my God. We could be, I think about uh, Steve Martin, the most amazing thing to me is I get paid for doing this, that, mm-hmm. that infamous line. And we had just, Fred Ball had just put us in three of his stores as a test. And so, indeed, that moment, there probably were. So that's when I, I didn't feel like... um I am influencing or whatnot, but I felt while we might get traction, this might work. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. um, I have always felt, I think you and I talked about this before. I read a uh, Bill Gates autobiography in the 90s, and he said, I'm not afraid, but I run scared. 
every single day as if mm-hmm. somebody could invent something to make windows obsolete. Right. And as an athlete, I always felt, you know, the day you think you cannot get beat, watch out. Yes. And, um, so I always have that notion that it's not really a notion. It's a firmly held belief um, that, you know, we haven't made it. You're only mm-hmm. as good as that moment or the day before, that morning, whatever the case is. And you remind me of... Uh, Something Henry Block said. I was oh. fortunate, and I know he was your was Still is your mentor. Yeah. Yes, and I was lucky enough to serve on a panel with him mm. one time many many years ago. And one of the questions that he received, because he was the the legacy entrepreneur on the panel, one of the questions that he got was, so now that you're a success, you know what what what's next, and and how do you how do you deal with that success? And he just got this very a blank look on his face, probably more astonishment. And he said, I I never think that way. He said a lawsuit uh, is, you know, software, anything could come along. And if we're not on our toes, if we get complacent, we're going to be gone. And it reminds me just what you said. Great advice. Barnett and I, you know, we had lunch yesterday with Barnett and we were talking in in, about Henry and in a different topic, but when I first, you know, one of the first couple, three times I met um, Henry, I said, you know, all these people, this is when you're building it and flipping it and um, what did they, oh, scaling, everything mm-hmm. scaling. Absolutely. And, and I, I just didn't, it didn't, none of that resonated with me. I've just kind of, I just found it very unattractive, right? So anyway, I talked to Henry, I said, well, you know what, everybody's talking about exit plans and this, and, and I don't have one, and they're flipping their companies, but I said, well, you're the, kind of that quintessential American dream, Henry. You know, you you did it. You know, it's just mm-hmm. started from nothing. Da da da. What's does it feel? I'm just curious. Does it feel like you know the lore would make would have us make it would make us think of it feels? And he he was real thoughtful and pensive. He goes, you know, that's a great question. While you don't know it now. When you're building it is where it's way more fun. Mm-hmm. And I've never mm-hmm. forgot about that. So yeah. I always want to keep building and keep uh, doubling down and keep betting the farm and betting the farm. And, and uh, so we're, you know, we're still poor as church mice because we just keep putting everything mm-hmm. in. It's kind of counterintuitive. I've never, I was a poli-sci major, so I, I still don't feel like I really know anything about business. But um, we just kind of use common sense. We fall down, try to fall yeah. forward, and and um, but it, there is uh, I don't know. It's it's it, there's a lot of common sense I think, and and uh, we just cut, try to keep um, keep betting the farm, keep being at risk, keep mm-hmm. being on the edge, and it yeah. makes uh, it makes me uh, the, my worst fear is complacency. It has and to be for any entrepreneur. So every month we are just we just make payroll, make everything by the skin of our teeth, oh, and I think it keeps us on our game, you know. Right, right. Well, but but you have, in some ways, it seems like a natural outgrowth, and in other ways, it seems like it was probably a really major step for you to open the cafes. Yeah. Huge. So so talk about that for a minute. Why did you decide to go from being strictly a, a roaster to to serving yeah, the coffee and too? Great question and also a couple of things come to mind. The first person that comes to mind is Barnett mm-hmm. uh, telling me not to do it. And just because you can do that doesn't mean you can do that. You know how he gets on that? And then at the meantime, then I have Charlie there. Charlie's encouraging me. Charlie is brother, right? Mm-hmm. And um, 
but in spite of that, and a lot of other people warning me not to do it, I had this heartfelt um, uh, gut feel that we needed to do it. And the the reason I think we needed to do it for the most part was the street cred. And how it was kind of manifesting itself was people would come and they'd say, God, I love your team. Oh, your product is so awesome. Oh, I just love it. But we want to do retail and mm-hmm. you guys don't do retail. And the inference or, you know, kind of perception was you don't feel our pain. We want to do a great job. You can't teach us. And I kind of shrugged off the first few. But after a while, I felt we need to do retail. What a drag. And then my good friend Steve Cole from Cafe Allegro said, oof. Be careful, Danny. Mm-hmm. You invite, you know, you open your door to the public, the public might come in. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's so true. Right? Be careful what you wish is, for, yeah. Oh. But we did it, and, and that's another thing I think for an entrepreneur. I can tell you when we opened that cafe, within 10 days, we had our first baby. We bought a new factory and opened that cafe. And I could think of 500 things I would have rather have done for my personal life yeah. than open a cafe. Sure. And, um, but, it wasn't about me, never has been about me. Is you know, the brand mm-hmm. the brand needed it. Kansas right. City wanted it. And it's the same way we went to Leewood. I love Leewood. But it you know, from Brookside it takes twenty minutes to drive to Leewood. Right. Um and I personally would rather not drive that twenty minutes, but it's not about me, you know. Mm-hmm. Leewood, Overland Park, they wanted the cafe out there, so we put it there. And we're not martyrs. I don't want to come across that no, way. No, but, but- the yeah. brand to build the brand have a community wide regional brand that's what we needed to do and um so and there are not, again so an entrepreneur of course you're going to do that you're not a martyr you're going to do it if you're not really built to be an entrepreneur if you're not really passionate you're not going to do those things and somebody's going to come and kick you you know what mm-hmm. they absolutely are you know. i want to go back just a minute to the question i asked you about influence you and and you talked about how you keep reinvesting in the company uh, i want to marry those two questions you invest not only in your company but you invest in the community and you have created a lot of influence because of that whether you intended that or not you have you just as part of your 20th anniversary you just gave a large uh donation to the, uh, some of the universities here yeah, i'm gonna go get <laughs> you go get I that, that back. back i didn't know we did that <laughs> you invest in the communities where you source your beans and so talk to us about that or i mean what, you know what my mind goes to when you say that what's that uh, the Jesuit model, men and there women, of and for mm-hmm. others. And right. uh, one of my favorite professors my whole life just passed away. And um, and it, back in 91, 92, 93, we had this two-year argument, and I, and I loved it. And for me, I felt like I got a 20-year head start on everybody else out there about stakeholder versus stockholder. And the stockholders with their narrow, parochial, myopic look of, fiduciary responsibility mm-hmm. to the shareholder. It just makes me, I could vomit when I hear that. I really could. And thank God I had, you know, great folks around me and and Jesuits around me and, you know, the men and women of and for others. And it's a stakeholder versus stockholder. So um, there's all kinds of things that we do in Kansas City that might not be in our own selfish best interest. I could enrich myself in ways if I didn't care about the community. And again, I'm not holding ourselves up. I feel blessed to be in Kansas City because there's folks like Don Hall and and Barnett and and, uh, Henry and and the Halls and the Haverty's and all these wonderful people. 
I didn't have to come up with this stuff. They did. Mm-hmm. All we have to do is just, in our own little small way, follow them. So, honest to God, I just feel like, you know, there's a, a Y in the road. You can go down to Gordon Gecko, you know, in, in you know, um, in, in, in Darwin. In, or you can go down and look at, you know, if the, the what uh, I can't think of his name now, the, um, he'd say, if you really want to get what you want, help t- uh, 10 other, or help everybody else get what they want. Right. Zig Ziglar or, mm-hmm. or one of those folks like that. Right. And well, the nuns used to say, you know, you get back 10, 10 times what you give. <laughs> and I think they, they were, you know, I think it's 100 times. Oh, definitely. Sometimes, you know, definitely. I so, I'm not sure if I want to, yeah. but I know I should. And it's always the right thing to do. Absolutely. Know? I'm going to put in a plug for you, Danny. If people want if people want to go out and, and try Danny's coffee or find out more about his his company's story, you can go to theroastery.com. That's the best place That's to go. It. And yeah. quickly give us the addresses of the two cafes again. The 62nd Terrace and Brookside Boulevard, right in the heart of Brookside. And then uh, 119th and Row next to the Apple Store. And then uh, downtown. Uh, right underneath the airplane. Yes. Uh, oh, and the airplane. Drive down Southwest Boulevard if you haven't and take tours. a look we at that. We do tours every day except Sunday, so come down and do a tour and um, all kinds of fun yeah. stuff down there. Fabulous new space. That Well, it's not quite so new now, but it's only a couple years old. Yeah. So uh, some, some, some great tours that they give that you won't be disappointed. And if you'd like to learn how to grow your business, please visit us at IThinkBigger.com. Follow us on Facebook, Thinking Bigger Business Media, or on Twitter at IThinkBigger. Danny, it's been wonderful having you here today. Thank you you for all you do. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.